That means it's not just about me, and it's not just about you, but it's the whole gospel for the whole world. It's, about, it's the whole gospel for the whole world, and it's not bits and pieces that we pick, and I choose this, and I choose that. A lot of people are doing that these days, but it's the whole gospel for the whole world, and it's supposed to be the whole church is supposed to be involved in that. That's you too. So it's supposed to be everything. It's the whole whole church, whole gospel, for the whole world. We're all supposed to be involved in this. We're all supposed to see ourselves as being involved in taking this whole gospel to the whole world. Because, you know, if Jesus died, if Jesus died just so that we could have a good hour and 15 minutes together on a Sunday morning, man, that that was a high price to pay for an hour and 15 minutes, wasn't it? But he died so you could have an awesome life, starting right now. Again, let me say this. Your life is not going to be perfect when you come to know Jesus because you're still going to have to live in this world. You're still going to deal with people like, you know, like me. You're going to have to deal with me. You're going to have to deal with people around you. You're going to have to deal with people that have problems, and you're still going to have problems. You're going to have bills to pay. There's going to be sicknesses. I'm struggling with this sinus junk, you know, that time of year, right? You got that too? Uh, and, you know, you're going to still deal with those kinds of things, but you're going to have a help through those things. It gives, you, it gives you a strength and ability that, that this, this eternity, this kingdom of God can begin to move into your life even right now and bring to you the strength and the power and the ability of Jesus Christ through his blood, through his sacrifice, through new life in him. And new life in him doesn't mean one day. It means now. New life means now. You're not supposed to be living uh, defeated lives. You're not supposed to be depressed, and you're not supposed to be anxious. I mean, you know... Defeated, depressed, anxious. I mean, the weakest, the, I, guess, I guess the first step of that is the anxiousness. But Scripture tells us we're not even supposed to be anxious. So if you're not anxious, then how do you get to depressed? And how do you get to defeated? You don't, you're not supposed to get there because you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit if, if you've received that. You are empowered by His blood. You have been bought by His sacrifice. And now you're made alive. And that song we just sang, he revives us, and He revives us, and He revives us again. And every time we get low, He revives you again. You're never, you're never supposed to be defeated, depressed, or anxious, even anxious about anything. So this morning, it's time to start moving on, isn't it? It's time to stop this, this carousel ride. Come on, Christians. Come on, let me, let me, let me get on our toes this morning. It's time to start living this carousel ride of it's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, the carousel's a little lopsided. You go around, you know, and you get up high, and then you get down low, and you get up high. You know what I'm talking about? Sunday, you up high, and then on the rest of the week, you're down low. And you get back Sunday, and he revives us, and you get back down low. It's time to get off the carousel. And it's time to start living in the power and the ability that God has given us in new life in him. And no matter how bad this life gets, We should be the ones with smiles on our faces, even grins, because we know that that this ends one day. And when it ends, our final redemption, redeeming us back to him for forever, is right there. So if anyone has anything to look up about, the economy goes to pot, doesn't matter. You know, health care is not there, it doesn't matter. If the cover gets bare, it doesn't matter. Because we know that our God is able to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, by the one 
you were, you were saved by, by the one you were delivered by, by the one who, who purchased your salvation. All of your needs are capable of being met today. So let's move on. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for the challenge, Lord, that I have in my spirit today, God, that I know is a challenge for your people. And I just ask you, God, to, to, to help someone that's been riding the carousel, the up and down, the good Sundays and the bad weekdays, up and down and up and down. God, help someone today get off the carousel. Help someone today, God, uh, begin, begin moving on in their life. God, to, to, to a new place in you through new life. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. God, please help us. Help us, help us move on, God. Help us hear what your Spirit is saying to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So this morning, I want to preach to you about three criminals. Okay, going to tie this back a little bit to, to last week. Last week was Easter. And uh, really want to, I really want to say something uh, right here, if I could just take a moment. You know, there were several, several, several people that were here every service last weekend. Uh, sun, Saturday night and the Sunday, both Sunday morning services, there were several people like that. Uh, not just the worship team, but several others. All the staff was here every service. And I, I, I want to say a big thank you to everybody that helped us with that. And especially those, I mean, because those who sat in here, I mean, they had to hear my sermon three times in a row, you know. So, so I really appreciate that. You know, it's kind of like they're saying, is he, is he going to say that same thing again? Is he going to make that same stale joke, you know, again? And so I, I really appreciate all the, all the effort and work that you did last week. So last week was Easter. Now what do we do? What do we do now? Jesus is alive. But you know, a lot of us, we're still living like he's still in the grave. I mean, it's like there is no power. There's no, you know, because we come to church and we put the smile on our face. Several people asked me before church and how you, you know, kind of, how you doing? And I started to say I'm good. And then I said, well, let me not lie. Let me tell you, I got this junk or whatever, you know, but man, I, I am good and I'm alive. I said that several times. Several people said, I'm alive. You know, I'm alive. Praise God for that. And then we start singing that song a few moments ago. I'm alive. I'm alive. You know, he breathes on me and just revives me. So, okay, good. I'm alive. Everything's still good, you know, and it is good because Jesus is alive today. I heard somebody again, I told you last week, and, and uh, I think it was just Sunday morning, if you were here Saturday night, I, I saw someone's, someone's uh, tweet that, that they had heard from someone in, in, um, in Israel uh, that was in Jerusalem last, last weekend. They said, the tomb is still empty. Heard someone say this uh, just last night. They said they were in the Holy Land uh, last weekend, and they said, the tomb is still empty. They said, you know, and we're not sure if it, this is the tomb or there's another one they think. He said, I checked them both out. Both of them are empty, just in case you wanted to know. You know, the, the tomb is still empty. You know, some, some of you need to get that. The tomb is still empty. He's still alive, and you're supposed to be alive. You know, uh, what Christ has done for you is not just forgive you of your sins for one day to be with him. That's an awesome thing that we all get to look forward to. But you have power. You have ability through him. You have the blood of Jesus Christ that I plead over my family every single day. You have this every day, and you're supposed, to, you're supposed to be living like that. Let me tell you about three, three criminals, okay? So let's go back to the story of Easter and the crucifixion. And uh, we're in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 23. says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, or Golgotha, they crucified Jesus there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Two criminals are crucified with Jesus. You've probably seen pictures of the three crosses. Jesus in the middle, and you see the two guys on his head. If you've seen a, a really old picture like that, you know, 30, 40, or more years older, then you see a picture like that. Probably one of those criminals has, has got a scowl on his face, or it looks, looks like he's almost uh, crazed or mad, and, and the other one looks real penitent or whatever. That's kind of where we're going with this. Okay, so here's what happens. They're hanging there, 
and, and people are coming by and they're hurling insults at him. The religious people are. I, I mean, the, uh, you know, the, the soldiers, they've been doing it you know, all night long. They've been beating him. They've been uh, ridiculing him. They've been mocking him. They put a, you know, put a purple robe on him to say, oh, hell, king of the Jews. And they bow to him, you know, and then they pluck out his beard and they hit him you know, upside the head. And the religious, they're coming by. Some of them are saying things like, ah, you said you could raise, you know, if we took your body down, you could raise it back up in three days. But you can't even get down off of the cross. And then one of the guys, and I don't know if it was a guy on the right or the left, but I just always think it was the guy on his left because I think about, you know, uh, on the right hand is the best place to be according to, the, you know, uh, according to the, Jesus being at the right hand of the Father. So, you know, the guy on the left, he, he, he begins to pick up on a lot of this. He says, yeah, that's right. He says, how come, if you said you can raise your body in three days, why can't you get yourself and us? Why can't you get us? That's, you know, he's not really interested in Jesus delivering himself. He's interested in, okay, Jesus, what can you do for me? He says, if you're really who you say you are, why can't you get yourself and us down off of these crosses? And so he begins to ridicule him as well. And he begins to, uh, to, to uh, act like everybody else is walking by. So, and this happens for six hours they're hanging there on the cross. From the time he's crucified, Jesus is crucified until, until they check him and he's dead at 3 o'clock that afternoon. They're hanging for six hours. And so all these people are coming by and every chance, you know, he's, he's, this guy's hearing all these things. He's probably saying, yeah, yeah, amen, that's right. And he keeps saying these things back to Jesus as well. And here's the thing. Is, is we need to understand that we will never move on until we first get tired of the place we are right now. You will never move on. The very first thing you've got to do to be able to move on to another place is you've got to get tired of where you are and where you've been and where you've been sitting and where you've been camped out. Everybody, and see, this guy, he, he, was, not, he was not tired of where he had been. He, he actually was okay with his life, as bad as it was. I'm dying on a cross now because of my life. I've been a thief for so long, and they finally just gave up on me, and they're going to kill me right here. And, and he was, still wasn't tired of where he was, and so he's going to die like that. Now, here's the question I got for you. Are you going to die where you are today? Think about it. If you want to move on, you've got to decide, I am not going to die where I am today. I'm tired of this carousel. Maybe yours is the carousel I talked about earlier where it's Sunday to the weekday, Sunday to the weekday. Or maybe yours is one of sin, church, sin, and church, and sin. Well, you get the idea, right? I don't know what your carousel is, but, but a lot of people, I started to say most people, I pray it's not. But what I see in a lot of people's life is they're living like on a carousel. And you know the thing about that carousel? You can ride that horse all day long, and where do you get to? The same place you've always been. we got to get off the carousel. You've got to decide, this is not the place that God wanted me to live my life. He has, Jesus Christ has something better for me because he died for my life, to give me abundant life, more abundantly. He died for me. And, and, and I'm not going to live in this for the rest of my I'm not going to be like this thief and die in this place that I live today. You're in, you're in bad relationships. You're in bad financial situations. You've got bad friends that continually drag you in the wrong area. You're connected with the wrong people. Every time you begin to get a leg up, it's like somebody pulls you back down. You've got to decide, I will not die in this place. I'm tired of where I am, and I'm ready to move on to something new. But this, this man couldn't. What about this man over here? Matthew and Mark, they tell this story also. And they, say, they both say, Matthew and Mark both say, 
that this guy said both, both the thieves. That's what Matthew and Mark say. They say both of the thieves, both of the criminals, they hurl insults at Jesus. But now Luke says something different. Luke doesn't, he doesn't deny that. He doesn't say that, that this one did not hurl insults. But Luke goes on. And he said that, th- th- that this one eventually looks over to Jesus. After, after this uh, criminal over here who is, who is full of himself and thinks, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do, and I don't need a Savior, and I don't need anybody to help me. Well, actually, he did, didn't he? But he said, I don't, you know, he didn't need anybody to help him. After he went on and on and on and on for so long, finally this one says, he you know, looks around past Jesus maybe, says, what in the world are you, you saying this to this man for? Something has happened right here in this man's heart. Maybe he is, maybe he is hung there long enough to watch Jesus and to see what is going on. You remember there was, a, there was a soldier, the Word of God tells us, there was a soldier that looked up at Jesus as Jesus was dying and said, surely this must be the Son of God. And if he saw that, no doubt this, this, this thief that was hanging there began to see something in Jesus that was different in everybody else around him while everybody else was doing their thing. And while this guy was ridiculing and when everybody else was hurling insults, this guy, something was happening in his heart and according to Matthew and Mark, he was hurling insults. But according to Luke, he eventually turned and he yelled at that other one over there. and says, why, why do you yell at this man? Because can't you see there's something different about him? You and I, we're dying for our crimes, our sins. We deserve what we're getting today. But this man has done nothing, has done nothing worthy of death. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus makes him a promise. This day, this day, wow, wouldn't it be awesome for God to speak to you and say, this day, not one day, not eternity, this day. This day, things are going to turn around for you. What the promise that he made to him was he said, this day, you're going to be with me in my paradise. You're going to be with me in a place of rest. You're going to be with me in a place of beauty. And you know what? He says that to every sinner that comes to him. It's a little different because, you know, all of us aren't going to die that day. This guy was about to die that day, okay? So he was going to experience it not just spiritually but physically as well. But to every sinner who comes to Jesus, and that includes all of you that came to Jesus maybe years and years ago or even just last week or whenever, what he speaks to you is this day. You can be with me in a place of rest. This day, it is going to happen. And, it, and we, we accept that, and we come into this place of rest, and it's awesome. We say, praise God, and we walk out the door, and we feel like Jesus has all of a sudden crawled back in the tomb, and he, there's no more life anymore. But Jesus didn't die for you to have a good hour and 15 minutes. He died for you to have a great life. And he said, this day. Here's something you got to do. If you want to move on, you've got to start thinking opposite opposite. You see, because too many of us come to Jesus, we come to God, maybe tired of our life, but we just want to tweak a few things, God. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. People have always said, you know, about me, I mean, I, you know some of these people, right? It wouldn't take a whole lot for them to become a Christian because they're already pretty good. You know, they, they, they do good in the community and whatever. And, and you know, they're, they're just a good old boy that every once in a while, you know, just has a little issue or whatever. And so we think we come to God sometimes, and, and come on, I'm, ta- I'm talking to those of us who've been Christians for a long time. 
who we, we've been going around in circles in the same area. You, you might have thought I was talking to those who've only been Christians for a couple of weeks. Well, I am talking to them, but right now I'm really talking to us too. Is that we've been in the, the same, old, and we just keep going round and round and round in the same old areas. And we never get anywhere. And you know why? It's because we weren't thinking opposite when we came to Jesus. We were thinking, all I need is a little tweak in Jesus. You can, if you can fix me a little bit, if you can just help me with a couple of financial decisions, my life will be perfect. Come on. If you can just help me talk to my spouse a little better, my life will be perfect. If you can just help me get through school, my life will be perfect. That's all I need from you, Jesus. And so we come to Jesus with reservations. We come to him, not saying we're tired of all of our life, but a lot of times we come to Jesus saying we're tired of parts of our life. He didn't die for part of your life. He didn't die for part of your sin. We need to remember and understand that when we were walking in opposition to God, before you became a Christian, you weren't just doing a few things out of his will. You were doing everything out of his will. Because every time you made a decision without making that decision along with him, Every decision you made might have been a good decision. might have been an awesome decision based on the wisdom of the world. But every time you made a decision that was not made with, with the direction of God and, and connection with God, you were walking in rebellion to him. And rebellion doesn't need a tweak. Rebellion needs a turnover and do it the other way. When you were, before you came to Jesus Christ, you were walking in a direction that was taking you to hell. And so if you want to turn that around, you don't, you don't make a tweak. You know, you've got to make a U-turn. It's a 180 that has to be done. We need to start thinking opposite. So, here, so here's what we and, and if this is you, and you say, I've been a Christian for a long time, but, but pastor, I, I just struggle with this sin, or, or I've got this problem that I, I can't get over, or there's this one area of my life that it seems like the enemy has a hold of. And it's not sin, but the enemy just will not let go of. You need to, you need to start thinking this way. Think in opposite. You got to stop thinking about tweaking something and making it a little better, and you got to think in opposite. You know, because what we do a lot of times is, is we think, well, I need to start reading the Bible more. More. We, I, I need to start praying more. More. But could it not be that we need to just flip the whole thing? Because how much time do you spend? I'm in on those, you know, those games that you play. You know, and I've been, you've been convicted of those. I have. Now, I, don't, I don't mean convicted like God, God rained down conviction on me and I had to go to the, I had to go to the altar and repent. But I, I've been there playing and God said, you know, this would be a good time for me and you to spend a little time together. Oop, turn that thing off, put that back in. Yeah, God, what you got to say? And it, and turning those things around in that, and you may think, well, I can't spend as much time with God as I spend with those games and I spend with my friends and I spend, yeah, you can. Because what you do, if you remember, uh, Paul said, pray without ceasing. How in the world do you pray without ceasing? Okay, let me give you this illustration again. Uh, I don't know how many times I've, I've used this, countless times in ministry and explaining to people what praying without ceasing means. It means like if me and David, we were to go for a walk this afternoon. If we walked for four hours, well, we'd be dead by the time we did that. But if we walked for four hours, you know, and when we got back, Nita said, well, well what, where you been? He said, well, I'm, I've been with pastor. We've been walking four hours. Then we talked all the way. Now, does that mean that one of us was speaking the whole time? No. 
One moment, maybe I stopped and tied my shoe. Maybe another moment, he, he ran into somebody he knew and he, he spoke to them for a few moments. Maybe we got distracted by, there was an armadillo across the street a little while ago. I had to take the grandson out. So you got to see the armadillo, you know? I mean, you get distracted with those things, but he would have said, we talked all the way. It doesn't mean that we spoke and spoke and spoke and listened back and forth every constant and nobody interrupted, but it meant that he and I were in constant communication. Maybe there was a time I stopped and I thought a minute before I said something or a time he stopped and thought about what I said before he said something else. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. And so see, when you get that kind of an attitude, you will actually begin spending more time with God than you are spending with anything or anybody else in this whole world. That's where you've got to start turning things around, turning it upside down. You've got to start thinking opposite, that whatever you were doing, it's not working. So you've got to do something else if you want to move on. And a lot of people, a lot of people they sense this, and you know what happens to them? It makes them antsy. i got to change something. And so you know what they do? They're constantly changing everything about their life except for the thing that needs changing. And so they're fixing this, and they're fixing that. If I just had a different spouse, if I just had a different job, if I just had a different teacher, if I just had, you know, a different this or a different that and fixing and running here and trying to find some other way that I can change something about my life and not understanding that what needs to change is not anything down there, but it's this guy right here that needs to change. It's this guy right here that needs to, to do what? It needs to read the Word. The Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ was the Word, meaning that He was the Word in person, in the flesh. We could see the Word. As He was hanging here, what was He doing? He was reading the Word. He was watching. He was watching Jesus. He was reading the Word, and that Word coming into him was challenging him and saying, wait a minute, there's something different about this, and it made him realize who he was. He could no longer be who that guy was. He said, I realize who I am because I'm seeing myself in the light of this man right here. And then what did he do? He prayed. He reached out, and he said, oh, Jesus, remember me. And then what did he do? He listened. He stopped, and he listened, and he heard, and Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in a good place. A perfect place, a place for peace. Peace is coming into your life. Don't you want to hear that from Jesus? You know how it's going to happen? You're first going to have to get tired of where you've been wandering around in that circle. And then you're going to have to start thinking opposite. Opposite. Because what you've been doing has been messing with your life. Not fulfilling your life. Not developing anything new or wonderful or powerful. You've got to start thinking opposite. What is it that I need to change? Come on, start thinking that right now. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Oh, I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of the, the young man that went in and talked to his pastor one day, an older pastor, and he said, he said, Pastor, I, 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 I've, I've just lost my walk with God. And he said, you know, I really don't know how it happened. I don't know, I don't know where it began. I don't know what happened in my life and how all this. And, and this older pastor, he just paused me and he said, guess. Just take a guess. You know what? Yo, man, got it right the first time. We know where we're missing it. We often don't need the Holy Spirit to convict us. We already know. The Holy Spirit just kind of sometimes comes in and, remember, you know, just digs at that place that we already know about, that is out of line with God's will and tells us, we already know. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now for the rest of this message. And the service, dig at us. Oh, could somebody that is tired of where you are right now just say, Holy Spirit, dig at me.
man, can you pray that prayer? Can you say, dig at me and don't let me walk out of here the way that I walked in? I'm tired of where I've been. I'm ready for where I'm supposed to be. Because steps one and two is not enough. It's not enough just to be tired of where you are and to think opposite. You got to do something else. Let me show it to you. There's another criminal I want to tell you about. And we've got scripture here, but I'm not going to take the time to read all this scripture. But go ahead and put them up there if you will. Thank you, uh, Beverly. And his name was Barabbas. Now, just before Jesus was crucified, Pilate was trying to let Jesus go free because he knew. Uh, he knew that this was, just, this was just the evil religious people of the day that were trying to kill Jesus because they didn't like him. And so Pilate kept trying to let him go, kept trying. He, beat, he had beat, uh, Jesus beaten for saying he was the king of the Jews, he was the son of God, those things. And he had him beaten and hoping they would just let him go, but they wouldn't do it. And so finally, Pilate remembered, oh, wait a minute, it's the Passover, and we've got this little custom that I always let somebody go at Passover, one of the criminals. And so he asked the crowd, he said, he said okay, can, how about if I let Jesus go because, uh, you know, it's the Passover. And the religious leaders had already, they, they kind of went around in the crowd. They said, no, no, tell them we want, we want Barabbas to be loose, that Jesus has to be crucified. And so the people started crying out, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas... We don't see it here in Matthew, but we see it in the other Gospels that, that Barabbas, his specific crime was he had committed murder in the middle of rebellion. In the middle of rebellion, he had committed murder. Okay, boy, there's a whole lot of stuff I'd like to teach here. We need to do a small group this afternoon, and let me teach you a lot of stuff here. He had committed murder in the middle of rebellion, and that's who they asked for. Instead of the one who said, I am the Son of God, the one you've been looking for, for hundreds of years, the one that Isaiah prophesied to you would come. The one that my father spoke about in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve committed sin. Here I am. They said, we don't want you. We want the murdering, rebellious one up there. And so he let Barabbas go. And Barabbas got a great gift that day. He got a second chance. He got a new start. He got an opportunity to begin again. And what did he do with it? What did he do with it? I don't know. Because right here, this last little phrase, then he released Barabbas to them. That little phrase right there, that's the last word we have written about Barabbas. Nothing else. And Jesus appears to the disciples after he is resurrected. Barabbas isn't there. Jesus goes, for 40 days he is showing himself to disciples and other. We never see Barabbas' name. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, uh, the, the video that you know, it was talking about when, when Jesus, at Acts chapter 1, he, he pulled his disciples together and gave them a task to take the, the gospel into the world. Barabbas is not standing there. When Jesus is resurrected back to the Father, to, to, ascends back to the Father to sit at his right hand, Barabbas is not there. When the disciples are gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit falls and there's a power that comes over them and they begin speaking with other tongues and then other gifts and signs begin happening through them and it spills out on the streets and 3,000 souls get saved. Where's Barabbas? In all of the book of Acts, where's Barabbas? We don't ever see him again. You know, this guy, this guy hadn't, he didn't even get any gift that day because he wasn't tired of his life. This guy got the gift, but he didn't get a gift of a second chance for this life. He didn't get to get down off of his cross and go fix everything from his past. 
He didn't get to go tell his wife, I'm sorry. He didn't get to go tell his son, don't follow me. Don't do what I did. Don't live this life. He didn't get to do any of that. But Barabbas, Barabbas got this awesome gift, but he never received the gift of Jesus Christ. Did he go tell his friends? Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. It's not there. Nowhere is it recorded. I mean, the, the greatest evangelist could have been birthed that day if Barabbas had said, I got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. What happened to Paul? Paul became the greatest evangelist of the New Testament. He wrote half of the New Testament. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he he wrote half. He started most of the churches that we know about in that day. He was the greatest evangelist known. And you know how it it happened? Because God turned him around, 180. Barabbas got a gift, but he didn't get the gift. He didn't turn it all around. The third thing you've got to do is begin now. I started to say today, but if I say today, some of you will say, well, I'm, I'll, I'll start on it this afternoon. No, begin right now. What is it that you already know that the pastor didn't even have to mention? You already know you need to do. Begin now. Begin this moment. Choose this moment. Did you ask the Holy Spirit to start digging at you? Did you ask Him? Did you, did, you, did you really mean it? And is he digging at you yet? Begin now. The uh, ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said, you've prob- probably heard this, right? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Choose. Choose now. Begin now. Come on, if you will, Carol. I want to pray with you. If the Holy Spirit's been digging at you, then take it in. Are you, are you tired of this? Are you tired of this? Man, I'm, ty- I'm tired of this in places in my life that I'm ready to get out of. Oh, and I see God pulling me out. of. I see, I see, some, I see some progress, but I'm ready for it to be over. Aren't you, isn't there anything in your life you're ready for it to be over? It will not be if you're just tweaking. Turn it around. Make a decision today. Jesus didn't die for you to do a little better. He died for you to do awesome. He died for the awesome, beautiful, wonderful dream in your life that he dreamed ever since he was forming you in your mother's womb. And he said, this is what they're going to be. This is who they're going to grow up to be. And let me tell you, this right here was not in his thoughts one moment. He planned much bigger, much greater for you. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. I can't pray for you. I can pray for you, but I can't pray in your place. You have to do that. Would you right now just, would you right now just respond to the Holy Spirit digging in your spirit? Would you respond to him? God, I just, I just ask you, Lord, as you dig into our spirits, into our souls, God, God, help us, Lord. Help us accept the fact that, that there are areas in our life that we've tried to tweak and they don't get better. That we've tried to, we've tried to fix or we've tried to repair and they're not getting better. And God, there's just some areas of our life that we absolutely must just have a complete reversal, a turnaround, a 180, a U-turn on. And God, just show us today. God, show us. But don't just show us, God. Enable us. 
I pray, God, you enable us by your, your awesome power. Enable us to have, God, let us have what th this second thief had. God, a, a, a turnaround in our spirit that makes us once and for all stop being a follower of everybody around us and stand up for what we know is happening in our hearts and saying this is what is real and this is what must happen. This is what must take place and this is what must be accomplished through me. And start opening up to you, God to being who you called us to be. God, I pray. God, you got a hundred dreams seated in here today. I pray, God, make every one of them come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What would you do with a second chance? If you're a child of God, you've already answered that question. Would you like a second chance to answer the question? Because your actions have answered the question. This is what I'm doing with my second chance. I think I'd like another do-over, wouldn't you? I think there's some other areas still that I want to do over. I'm challenging you today. Go deeper. Go stronger. Go longer. And as far as I just thought of something about deeper, Thursday week, we're going to do a special service here on Thursday night, Thursday week. We're just going to call it deeper. If you got prayer needs, you, you, just, you need more than just an hour, 15 minutes that week. you got, you got something you need, God. You need to go deeper in your worship. These are the things you need to be thinking about. Reverse what you've been doing. Amen. Would you stand with me? Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Let me remind you of something. You serve an awesome God. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. You serve an awesome God. And this God right here, He is no longer tied to that cross. He is no longer in the tomb. If you'll just get the heart that this man, this, man, this thief over here had and turn Him loose, turn Him loose in your life. Just do what is necessary to turn God loose in your life. Awesome things are about to happen. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing.